0: Hello and welcome to Soul Survivor Main Meeting Talks from April Conference 2019. We hope you enjoy. Okay, everyone, you want to say hi, Emma? Emma. Hello. Well, Andrew and I are so uh, excited to um, go on this journey with you guys this week. And I just believe that um, God is going to give us a really beautiful uh, but challenging vision of what it looks like to be someone who is shaped by Jesus. And so in order to look at that, we're going to be diving into the book of Daniel. um, And we're going to spend each morning looking at a different story. And it's an amazing book in the Bible. And I just think God has so, so much to say to us through that. Uh, Now, we're going to start at the very beginning in Daniel chapter 1. But before we get to there, I just want to talk a little bit about the context um, for the book of Daniel. Because sometimes when we read stories in the Old Testament, um, we we open it up and we're like, what's that place? Who's this person? And it can be really hard to get our heads around. And so looking at the context is going to just help us understand a little bit more what's going on so that we can understand the deeper meaning and, and see what God wants to say to us. So during the book of Daniel... Uh, there was a nation called Babylon. And Babylon was ruled by King uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And I think there's going to... Yep, here it is. There's a map on the screen. And basically what was happening is the Babylonian Empire was spreading. And during the time of Daniel, they were at, it was at its height of its fame and fortune. It was growing stronger and stronger. And Babylon decides to actually attack Jerusalem... Now, Jerusalem was God's holy city. It was where God's chosen people lived, the Jews. And in this story, you'll often hear them being referred to as the Israelites. So Babylon goes and attacks Jerusalem and actually takes their people into exile. And so they now are living in Babylon. And so what what we need to know is that Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego... They are living in Babylon and they are in the Babylonian culture. And so another thing that's really, really helpful for us to have a look at is what it was like to live in Babylon and to understand the environment that that Daniel was living in. Um, And in the Bible, there's another book called Isaiah. And Isaiah was a prophet um, who God used to speak messages to his chosen people. And in Isaiah chapter 47, he actually describes Babylon um, like this. God in in this chapter is actually speaking judgment over Babylon. And God describes Babylon like this. They're a nation who loves pleasure. They lounge in security. And they say things like, I am and there is none besides me. So that's in Isaiah chapter 47 and 8 and 9 if you want to look it up. But that motto, I am and there is none besides me, that represents the heart of Babylonian culture. They were self-centered. In essence, they were their own God. And so that's the type of environment that Daniel was living in. So why don't you flick open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1 if you're not already there. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to retell the story for us, but there's going to be moments where I'm going to stop and zoom in on on certain verses, and we can read along together. So Daniel chapter 1. As I said, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the ruler of Babylon, and at this time they go and attack Jerusalem. So they bring the Israelites back to Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar decides that he wants some of the Israelites to come and serve him in the king's palace. And so what he does is he puts together a bit of a job description of who he wants those people to be. And it's a very hefty criteria. It's pretty full on. And so he says that these men, well, firstly, that they have to be men. So sorry, ladies, we're out of the picture. They have to be young They have to be without physical defect, whatever that means. They have to be handsome. They have to be good at learning. They have to be quick to understand. And they have to be well informed. So Andrew and I were chatting and we're like, who would make the cut these days? Who would be a modern day person who would be able to serve King Nebuchadnezzar? And Andrew, being my lovely husband, quickly offered up himself and said, well, I'd, I'm surely I would make the cut. And I reminded him that we are no longer young. We are celebrating the big three-o for Andrew this year. Woohoo. And potentially a dad bod could be seen as a physical defect. But he's gotta get me back for that. He's got tomorrow, that's okay. But basically what we learn is that Daniel and his friends, they make the cut. They're chosen to serve King Nebuchadnezzar in the palace. And so what these men are required to do, they need to immerse themselves in Babylonian culture. They have to learn the language. They have to read the literature. um, They have to eat the king's food and wine. And so they train for three years. And then after that, they enter the king's service. Now, there's a really important point in this story coming up because we start to see the type of person that Daniel is. And as I said, Daniel would be required to eat the king's choice food and wine. And if you go to verse 8, we read these words about Daniel's response to that. It said that, But Daniel resolved not to defile, which basically just means to make him pure. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Daniel and his friends in this moment, they're faced with a cultural pressure that wants to go against their Jewish identity. And what we need to remember about Daniel is that because he was a Jew, he would have followed the Torah. And in the Torah there was all these guidelines around what he could eat and what he couldn't eat. And so for him to eat that food it would be going against his identity as a Jew. And so Daniel plucks up the courage. He's already showing us his bravery and his obedience. And he asked the the chief official if he cannot eat the food. Now just press pause for a second on the story. I want you to, there should be a picture of a whirlpool on the screen. Now well pools are formed when you have two opposing currents of water that come into contact with each other and that creates kind of a suction that draws other things in and so I want you to imagine in this story we have two cultural currents we have the Babylonian cultural current and we have the Jewish one and in this moment Daniel is faced with with a moment where um, One cultural current is saying you need to eat the king's food, and the other one is saying not to eat it. And Daniel makes a choice to stay true to his identity and swim against the cultural current that he's in. Um, As I shared earlier, when I was uh, 17 years old, I came along to uh, Soul Survivor, and I had quite a profound experience with Jesus and during that week, he spoke a lot to me about who I was as a child of God. He spoke a lot about my identity. Um, fast forward about a year, I was 18 years old, finishing my HSC. And all of a sudden, I found myself bombarded with a number of um, cultural pressures that were just going against my identity as as that. So things like, um, you know, the drinking culture and partying as you finish school, um, you know, making silly decisions around relationship choices, feeling guilty and shameful about that behavior, so then getting caught up in lying and um, all of these different things. And I remember it was really weird because I loved Jesus through that whole time. I really loved him. But in the same breath, I was faced with all these things that were were going against who I was. And I was finding it really, really difficult to follow the spirit and not get caught up in the current that I was in. And actually um, I hit rock bottom at one point and I remember just crying out to God and just being like, I need your help. <laughs> Um, And I expected Jesus to respond to me being like, I told you, Emma, why did you do these things? Why did you go this way? Look what's happened. And I remember being overwhelmed because I was just met with the love of God over and over again. It was bizarre. It's hard to explain, but it's just like he kept telling me, I love you, Emma. I love you, Emma. I love you, Emma. And that was the only thing that I could think about. And that um, moment sent me on an incredible journey of learning again what it means to be a child of God. But what Jesus was doing for me in that moment is he was reminding me who I was in him. Because when my father in heaven tells me that he loves me, it reminds me that I'm his daughter and that his love for me is unconditional. Now, in this verse, it uses this word resolved. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with royal food and wine. In other translations, it actually uses this word purposed. Daniel purposed in his heart. And I love this word purposed because if the word purpose means the reason for which something exists or, done, or is done, to have a purposed heart. Means that we understand not just with our heads, but in our hearts, the reason for why we do something. And finding that reason comes from understanding our identity in Jesus. And if our identity is not clear, we will find it really, really difficult to know what to do, why we're doing certain things. And so we need to come back to exploring again what is our identity in Jesus. And in in a sense, we are all living in our own Babylons. We are all, like it's really tough. I think it's fair to say it's really tough, especially for young people today, being in your high schools and the amount of pressures that you have on you in so many different areas. It's hard swimming against that current. And we very much live in a culture which is similar to Babylon. That statement of I am and there is none besides me Think about our our cultural mottos. It's very much you do you. You do whatever makes you happy. It's very focused on the self. And, you know, in our Babylon's, there will be these things that question our identity um, and that that really test our why. Why are we doing certain things? Um, I was thinking about some examples of this, and one of the things that just um, God brought to my attention again was around body image, and you know I'm sure you'd all agree our culture has a lot to say about what is beautiful and attractive in our society, um, and the pressure to look a certain way and to be a certain look a certain way and be in, in a, respond in a certain way is really really difficult, and um, I want to say it's not just for girls. Like it's tough for girls and there's this pressure around the skinny obsession and not having an ounce of fat on your body and looking a certain way and it's really tough. But it's also for guys and I've noticed that in the last couple of years that the pressure for men to be ripped and built and all of that is growing. And I want to be really honest with you, um, have you. Have you ever heard of the show Yummy Mummies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll confess that I have watched that, and my mother's group group chat is called Yummy Mummies, not because we think that we're Yummy Mummies, but because it's just funny. Anyways, um, but the pressure there, and I'm not even kidding, it's a thing that when you're a mum, it's like, how quickly can you lose your baby weight? How quickly can you look a certain way? It's all about the active where you wear and it's all about the physical appearance. And the pressure is actually really, really big, even in our, as we get older. And I just realized um, recently that I had let society start shaping, um, shaping how I viewed myself. And Andy and I, I hit a point at the beginning of this year. We went away to Melbourne and uh, it was a Saturday night and we wanted a little treat for where we watched our movie. And literally before you knew it, in 10 minutes, there was an Uber Eats guy at our door with dessert and he had like cheesecake and apple pie and ice cream and within, like, within a couple more minutes, we had devoured it all. And look, we go a little bit nuts on our holidays and we just yeah we treat ourselves a little bit too much and um i got back from that time away and i noticed that something was a bit off because i just felt a, like a pit of despair in my stomach for for eating that and putting on a few kilos and i was like this isn't this isn't quite right this is consuming me more than it needs to be and um What I realized is that my focus was more on what I looked like rather than, um, more than what I looked like as a mom. And I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known for raising a daughter who follows the spirit of God, who takes risks, who knows and loves Jesus far more than I could have ever done. That's what I want to be known for. And I realized that these views had been shaping me. And so I invited Jesus into that. I said, Lord, because it's not bad to want to exercise or look after your body. It's good. And I think, you know, we want to honor God with our bodies. But inviting Jesus into that process, he brought me back again to the simple question of, well, do you love yourself, Emma? Do you love yourself? Do you know the value that you have in me? And I'm a little bit embarrassed saying that as a 28-year-old, but, like, I had to come back to that. And what that's done is as I've come back to that foundation, it's allowed me to explore exercise and healthy eating from a place of freedom, from a place of if, you know, I stuff up, it's not consuming me. It's not what I'm known for. Now... The danger is sometimes we can, we can see that um, Daniel didn't eat the food and wine and we can start to think about all the ways in which we've followed the world and we haven't followed Jesus. And then we can start to feel guilty and shameful. And I just want to say I don't want you to focus on those things. There's a place before Jesus to say, I'm sorry. And we need to do that. But I want you to move on and say, Lord, remind me who I am in you. I just want you to focus on who you are in Jesus. And I feel like that's the starting point that he has for us this week. He wants to remind us afresh who we are in him. Because Daniel was able to refuse to eat that food because he knew who he was. And he really knew the God who he worshipped. And so the question that we have to ask again, and it might seem really, really simple, but is our society shaping our identity or is Jesus? Is our society shaping who we are or is it Jesus? Um, The story continues and what we see is that God actually causes the official to show favour on Daniel. And he says that he doesn't have to eat uh, the choice food and wine. And Daniel's a little bit cheeky and he asks the official if he can put him to the test. And he says this in verse 12. Please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who ate the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 Days, and what we see is that at the end of those 10 days, Daniel ended up looking more healthier and better nourished than all the other servants. And this is the part that I love they replace the king's choice in f- food with what Daniel eats, they acknowledge that it's a better way, they acknowledge um, his way is better, and that is the beauty because when we are true to ourselves. And we don't let culture shape us. We will actually start shaping the cultures that we are in. And um, as the story goes on, God blesses Daniel and he gives him knowledge and understanding of all kinds and an ability to interpret dreams. And Andy's going to talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. But I love how it finishes because it says that King Nebuchadnezzar, he meets with Daniel and his friends. And it says he is astounded by them. He's astounded by them. And in verse 20, it says, In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. So think about that whirlpool again. When you swim against the current, when you follow um, the current of Jesus, It will create this whirlpool where others cannot help but be drawn in. People will be astounded. We want to show them the way of Jesus. Um, I had a friend who I worked in HR with when I worked in business many years ago. And um, she wasn't a Christian and um, she was a really special friend of mine. And one day at work, we were just chatting about something she was going through. And I just listened um, and just talked that through with her. And she said something to me that I'll, I'll never forget. She said, the peace I feel when I'm around you and your wisdom is just something really different. That wasn't anything about me. That was just the spirit of God showing her the peace of Christ and the wisdom of God. And um, I often would openly share with her about my life and I would share with her about all the different, you know, prophetic words that Andy and I had for our life. And I'd let her in on that journey and I'd tell her how we had seen God lead us and what he had fulfilled. And she'd always say to me, she's like, Emmy, you always have those weird coincidences come true. She's like, it's so interesting. And, you know, as we live out our identity in Jesus, people will say simple things like, that's really different. Well, that's so interesting. And as I said before, just as I, as I was writing this talk, I just so sensed um, God just wanting to remind us of who I was, who we are in Him. And for some of us, it might be like we've kind of forgotten that. Uh, maybe even sen- since the last time you were at Soul Survivor, it, you might have forgotten that. You've lost sight of your identity in Christ And I want to encourage you because Jesus himself had the Father remind him who he was at the very beginning of his adventure with God. Uh, In Mark chapter 1, it says um, Jesus basically was being baptized by John the Baptist. And as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens opened, the Spirit descended on him, and the Father in heaven says these words to Jesus. He says, "'This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased.'" And these words set the foundation for Jesus' ministry. And Jesus started, he modelled to us someone who lived perfectly in his identity in God. He started to swim against this current and show another way. And that drew more and more people in. It drew the disciples in. And then the disciples started the early church and then that drew more people in. And now you and I have been invited into that and we get the joy and the privilege of showing others this, this other way of living. And they think that Daniel was actually in his teens when this story took place, which I find really inspirational. And I want to say that you can have clarity on your identity as a teenager. We are always learning what it means to be a child of God. And that's something that God is always revealing to us more and more as we get older. But I think there's a bit of a lie in our society that you have to do this and try this and go travel here in order for you to find out who you are. And Jesus actually gives us that um, as a gift that we, when we are born again, we become a child of God. And um So I just want to encourage you to take every single little opportunity this week to be shaped by Jesus, to let your identity be shaped by Him because as you do, it will create this beautiful foundation for the rest of your adventure with God. And God has placed each of you in your own Babylon. As you discover your identity in Him, watch um, the different ways that He will use you to shape your culture you can do it. He wants to use you. He really wants to use you. I've seen it um, in our youth group our kids just shaping their schools in, in just really simple and beautiful ways that show people that there is another way, that there is another way to live. And so the question is that I just want to leave you with again at the beginning of the week is what is shaping your identity? Is it Jesus or is it the society that, that we're living in? Amen.